good to see you this morning. Um, trust that you remain prayerful as, as we try to speak to you today. I'd like to direct your attention to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. The <clears throat> Apostle Paul begins this chapter showing his great affection for his brethren according to the flesh who are Israelites. <clears throat> Let me just begin reading. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a, a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. This is the natural Jew he's referring to, his brethren according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. We know how that God dealt with the children of Israel in the Old Testament, gave them the law of commandments on tables of stone, took them unto him to be a special people above all other nations of the earth. And Paul is reflecting upon these Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers, and of whom is concerning the flesh, Christ came. He came to the seed of David in the tribe of Judah, did he not? He was a Jew. <clears throat> whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. <clears throat> then he says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. The Apostle Paul here recognizes that there is a Israel, a different Israel than just natural Israel. He says that there is, you know, he had a, a desire and a burden for his brethren according to the flesh who are Israelites. And then, then, he, then he switches gears here and he says, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. See, you would think that, you know, when Jesus came, according to John 1.11, he came into his own, his own received him not. By and large, the Jews rejected Christ as he came. He was their king. He was their savior. He was uh, the one that was in prophesied who would come of the seed of David and be a great king and lead them out of bondage. Well, if this natural Israel is the Lord's people, then how is it that all these promises of God, God's going to bless them and, and deliver them out? Why does it seem to not come to fruition that they received him? And and it just seems like a big, big failure. Well, <clears throat> the message here is, Paul says, the word of God hadn't taken none effect. It's not effectual. It's not, it is true. It's not, not true. All these wonderful things that, that's prophesied about God's dealing with Israel and what he's going to do for Israel and how they're going to serve him and all these things, that's still true. But they're not all Israel which are of Israel. In other words, all these things written in the Old Testament that were written to natural Israel, they were also, there is a different Israel that they that God had under consideration regarding spiritual things. Okay? And these would not just be of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through a natural lineage. And the Jews put a great uh, value on being of the seed of Abraham, right? You remember when John the Baptist was baptizing in Jordan and some came to him to be baptized and he didn't baptize them. He says, he says, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And think not within yourself saying that, you know, I'm the seed of Abraham. He says, for, for God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What we're looking at here right now this morning is that Paul is saying, while I have a natural burden for my natural kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites, naturally there is another Israel, a, what I'll call a spiritual Israel. And he says, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, Neither because they're the seed of Abraham 
are they all children, not just because of the children of the flesh, the natural Israelite, not because they're the children of Abraham, not because they're the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Okay? He says that is the children, that is they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. There's the children of promise, which are the real children of God, spiritually. He's saying the natural Israelites are not the children of God spiritually. There is an Israel, the Bible teaches, that is a, what I'll say is a spiritual Israelite. And um, <clears throat> this was this was to be a, a great, um, we don't want to spend a, t- a lot of time talking about uh, this, but it says in Isaac shall thy seed be called. There is a special miraculous thing when Isaac was born. You know that, right? <clears throat> this was this was like a birth from above. God blessed this natural union to have a child that uh, she was, you know, not able to have children, right? Well, <clears throat> the point is there's the natural, then there's the spiritual. There's the natural, then the heavenly. They're not all Israel, which are of Israel. See, the Bible talks about a natural Israel. What I call, and then there's another spiritual Israelite that goes beyond the natural Jew, but also the Gentile. You know, God has a people out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, according to Revelation 5, 9. That's redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Jews and Gentiles. The blessings of Christ isn't just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. Not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. How many times we read that through Romans in different places? All right? So we see actually in uh, Romans chapter 2, while we're in Romans chapter 2 verse 28, he says this. He says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. And usually I preface this by saying only Jews are going to go to heaven. That kind of wakes people up, right? Only Israelites, only Jews are going to heaven. And uh, that usually gets people's attention. Well, I'm not talking about a natural Israelite. I'm not talking about a natural Jew. I'm talking about what I refer as a spiritual Jew. Paul just references as this in Romans 2.28. He says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. You know, there is the Jews... In Genesis chapter 15, God instituted circumcision. Alright? He instituted, actually, I might have told you wrong. I don't like telling you stuff wrong. It may be 17 or 15. I'm going to go look. You excuse me just for a minute. It's actually 17. Alright. Genesis 17, he institutes circumcision. Of the all male children at eight days old. <clears throat> Paul is referring back to that in Romans chapter 2. And, and see that outward circumcision was different than all these other nations. And that, I, that was an identifying characteristic of a Jew. You had circumcised male children. Well there's also a something that uh, is a trait of a spiritual Jew. Is he has a circumcision too but it's not in the flesh. It's in the heart. Let's go back to Romans chapter 2.28 and finish that verse. He says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. It's an inward Jew. Whose circumcision is that of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. Alright, they says there's a spiritual circumcision that happens in the heart. So the natural Israelite has an outward circumcision. A spiritual Israelite or inward circumcision has a circumcision of the heart. And, uh, and there's a, a, there's something happens in the new birth which God circumcises your heart to love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 prophesies. He says, he shall circumcise thine heart to love the Lord thy God. New Testament companion verse is in uh, Romans 5, verse 3. It says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. All right? So there's there's a uh, a circumcision that's made without hands. All right? And it's God who makes the circumcision of the heart. All right? 
And uh, <coughs> and this this is is this is uh, there's different places we could go. The one that comes to my mind, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, over in Galatians, Galatians chapter <coughs> six makes reference to this Israel of God. In verse fifteen, it says, "For in Christ." Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. And if you've read through the book and studied the book of Galatians, you understand that there was a problem that Paul was addressing, that there were those that cropped up in the early church. And you can read in Acts chapter 15 where it talks about some of those uh, Jews said, began to teach, except ye be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. In other words, they're trying to make... You know, Jews out of these Gentiles, you know, by circumcising them, put them under the law. And the whole book of Galatians is dealing with that issue about some that desired them to be circumcised, that they make glory in your flesh. And Paul is teaching that it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not with the outward circumcision. And he says here, he says here in, in 615, he says, for the neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new Creature, a new creature. See, the circumcision that, that's important for you to have is a circumcision of the heart. All right. And he's, he's saying, and, and before we finish this verse, uh, if we talk about the circumcised heart, this work of the new birth, this work of, of, of the circumcision of the heart, if we were to, uh, in our Bible study, we went to the seventh chapter of Acts where Stephen was preaching there. And he, after his, you know, he got to the end of his great discourse. He wasn't finished, but he just stopped. He stopped in mid-sentence and says, Ye uncircumcised in heart and ears, do you always resist the Holy Ghost? Even your fathers did. So do ye. I see they were, they came to the, Stephen came to the place. You know, Jesus said, cast not your pearls before swine. You know what that means, Right? I mean, if you're trying to explain or tell somebody something and you can tell they're not receiving it, that maybe it's uh, instruction, maybe it's counsel, maybe it's advice, and they're not hearing it, you might as well just cut it off because they're not giving you a hearing ear. All right? Cast not your pearls before the swine. Reminds me of a, a story I heard about a school teacher who was telling his class some important things, and they were just sitting out there all bored, not listening to what he had to say, and the bell rang. And they all jumped up to leave. And he said, class, please stay, stay one for one, one more moment. I have a few more pearls to cast. They probably didn't know what he's talking about. But they didn't have an ear to hear. <clears throat> Stephen, not Peter, Stephen, he just stopped his conversation, his discourse there, and says, ye uncircumcised in heart and ears. They didn't have an ear to hear or a heart to understand because they had a uncircumcised heart. Remember, he's not a Jew which is one outwardly. He's a Jew which is one inwardly. His circumcision is that of the heart. Alright? He's not... Okay, so let's go back to Galatians chapter 6 where he says to these Judaizers, these people teaching that you need to be circumcised, you got to be circumcised. He says in verse 15, he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a New creature. Now that'll avail something. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's got that circumcision of the heart. He's an inward Jew at that point. He's got a circumcision, but it's not outward. He's talking about this outward circumcision. He says neither a circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, the outward. But what avails something? Being a new creature in Christ. Now that avails something because you're a spiritual Israelite at that point. And he says circumcision avails nothing nor uncircumcision, but Christ, but it says, for in Christ, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You can go to Ephesians chapter 2. talks about we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. If we're created in Christ Jesus, that's a creature, a creature. All right? For neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule... Peace be on him and mercy upon the Israel of God. See the Israel of God? Now he just took out and, and uh, exposed the natural Jew saying circumcision availeth nothing nor uncircumcision. This Israel of God, he's talking about a spiritual Israelite. 
grace. He says, and many as a walk according to this rule, understand this teaching. He says, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. This is the spiritual Jew as a circumcision of the heart. All right? So there's lots of these scriptures in the Old Testament that point to this new covenant uh, Israelite, if you will, with a circumcision of the heart. I'll give you one more reference to this. Paul makes reference to this circumcision in Philippians chapter 3, where he says in verse 1, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, it's not grievous, but for you it is safe. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And if you did a little word study on that word concision, it's, 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 uh, similar to the word circumcised, which means a circular cutting in the Greek. This concision is a playoff on that, and it means a down cutting. It, it probably, it, it, it carries the idea of a mutilation. And what he's saying here is, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. He's, he's saying, beware of the circumcision, beware of the natural Jews, what he's saying, but he's calling it a, just a mutilation because in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. He's trying to say, you know, it's, this circumcision doesn't matter. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Then he says, for we're of the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit. See, he's talking about that spiritual circumcision of the heart. Where of the circumcision, beware of these, Jew, uh, you know, just the natural Jew. He says, but we are the, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And if you want to look at just a natural Jew devoid of the spirit of God, we have a, you have a pretty good description right there, is that they, they don't worship God in the spirit and they don't rejoice in Christ Jesus and they've got a lot of confidence in the flesh. Yeah, we're, we're Abraham's children. They have great confidence in being Abraham's children. All right. But this morning, um, so, so with those thoughts in mind that there is a spiritual Israelite who is a, has a internal circumcision of the heart. That all the times in the Old Testament when the Bible talks about Israel, it may have a immediate short-term application for natural Israel, but don't leave out the spiritual implication of these prophecies and things toward spiritual Israel. Because I could tell you that the Old Testament if we look at the whole kind of picture of the things that transpired in the Old Testament, we see a central message. There's a central message over, over, and over. And that is, uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the story of redemption by God of a sinful people. You know, we go through that we see the children of Israel down in Egypt in bondage. And then God sends a deliverer, Moses, and delivers them out of bondage to give them this good land. He delivers them from bondage. They were serving the Egyptians, building the treasure cities of Pharaoh, right? And God delivered them out of that and gave them a good land where they could serve God. All right? And we see that pattern over and over in the Old Testament. Especially through the book of Judges. We see, um, and if you've ever studied the book of Judges, you would know that was a period of about 450 years where the children of Israel, they'd be serving the Lord, you know, according to how God had, had, had brought them out and gave him the, the laws and the ceremonial law and civil law. They would serve God. But when they would, then they turned away from God and began to serve other gods, which are no gods, right? Um, let me just give you a, uh, and, and I can't say it any better than the, the Bible. If you go to Judges chapter 2, it kind of gives you this cycle of how they served God. They turned away from God. God sent judgment and God, uh, in his judgment brought the enemy over them and conquered them and they became servants to this, to the ites of the land. 
until the time they repented and then they cried out for to God for mercy and God would send a deliverer in to deliver them out from bondage that they might serve the Lord. And then they stayed in that tranquility, that, that time of peace for 30, 40 years till they turned their backs on God and they went back into captivity and and till they repented, God sent a deliverer. You see this cycle over and over and over and you can read this cycle um, in the second ch- chapter of Judges where um, starting in, in verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but went whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For repented the Lord because of their groanings and by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. And they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And then that's a cycle that you'll see over and over and over with the judge. He would raise up a you know, Deborah and Barak and a Shamgar and a Gideon and a Samson to come and deliver them. So there, so the picture is over and over through the New uh, Old Testament is that God's people, natural Israel, are in bondage to others. And then God sends a deliverer. I want to look this morning in the remainder of my time. I want to look at the stark parallels between natural Israel coming out of Egypt and the Lord delivering us out of our sins. We're bond servants. There's a lot of parallels between natural Israel and then spiritual Israel. God's people are, natural Israel is in bondage down in Egypt and God sends the deliverer Moses to deliver them out. Well, we're in bondage to sin by nature, and God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to deliver us out of the bondage of our sins. Alright? And particularly we want to focus on the fact that God sent Moses into Egypt to deliver this people out of bondage that they might serve Him and also give them a land flowing with milk and honey. They, there's an inheritance out there. And the same thing is true of spiritual Israel. We hope to get to this pretty quickly. That the Lord Jesus Christ came to save spiritual Israel out of the bondage of sin that they might not only give, have heaven, live with him with an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that faith not away, but also deliver us out of the clutches of the bondage of our sins that we might serve him. A lot of the parallels between natural Israel and spiritual Israel, between Moses and Christ. We looked at the study this morning that in prophecy in Deuteronomy chapter 18, that... Moses said, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, like unto me. Him shall ye hear. And that's quoted a couple of times in the New Testament concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ would be a great prophet like unto uh, uh, unto Moses. But let's go before that a little bit. God has a people, a special people, named natural Israel. We see over here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. I just want to notice a couple of things. See, God has a special people called natural Israel. He's got a special people called spiritual Israel or the elect. God chose to bless natural Israel with natural blessings. God chose to bless spiritual Israel or his elect with spiritual blessings. But we look here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he says in verse 
6. He says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Here we see natural Israel was a chosen people. A chosen people. Above all other peoples upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. God chose this people, Israel, above all other nations to be a special people unto himself. Well, I find the same thing is true of spiritual Israel. We find in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. According as he hath chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God has a people whom he hath chosen. Alright? A chosen people. Natural Israel is a chosen People, spiritual Israel is a chosen people. And you, my friends, they were not chosen. They were not. Why do you think that, that God chose the uh, natural Israelite as his people? Was it because they were so good, righteous, and holy? No, it wasn't. As a matter of fact, we go back to, we turn the chapter to Deuteronomy chapter 9. We're going to find here that he says, he, he makes it loud and clear for the natural Israelite to know that you're not the Lord's chosen people because anything you've done. I'm not coming here to deliver you out of, uh, uh, to, to deliver you out of your troubles and bondage, to give you this good land flowing with milk and honey, this land of inheritance because you're so good. As a matter of fact, he says the opposite. He says, speak not, verse 9 4. Speak not thou in thine heart after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee. He's talking about how God's going to go and he's going to root the enemy out of the land and give them this good land. That's the context. Let's read him. Speak not that thou, speak not thou in thine heart. This is 9 4 to Deuteronomy. Speak not thou in thine heart after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee saying, for my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But no, that's not it. You know why? It's for the weakness of the people, weakness of the nations that the Lord drive them out before thee. Not for thy righteousness and for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land. So we see, as a matter of fact, he says in verse six, thou art a stiff necked people. See, the point is God did not, did not choose them to be a special people above all other peoples because they are righteous or upright. And I'm going to tell you the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord did not uh, choose a people in Christ before the foundation of the world based upon him looking down and see how good and righteous we are. No, we're horrible sinners in the sight of a thrice holy God. The, the scripture says, somebody asked me one time, you know, script, you know, the scripture says, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ came to the world to save sinners. Said, so what kind of sinners did he come to save? The most horrible, corrupt, evil, adulterous kind of sinner. That's who he came to save, my friends. And that's us. All right. There's nothing righteous about us. There's no reason that he chose a people to save other than his own mercy and grace and his love. Why did the love, why, why did God, why did God, uh, choose the Israelite? He said, because, why did the Lord, the Lord did not, listen to this language. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the foolish Fewest of all people. The Lord didn't set his love upon you for this. Well, why did the Lord love you? Why, that's a good question. Why would he love me? Why did the Lord love you? I like his answer. He said, because the Lord loved you. Why would the Lord love you? Because the Lord loved you. All right. That's it. I have no idea. He chose to do so. Why would the Lord love him? Well, because he chose to love you. All right. He set his love upon you. He set his love upon you. And if anybody's having marital problems today with your spouse, you know what you need to do? You need to love them. You need to set your love upon them. Hollywood's love is a feeling and a fancy. I just threw that in there. But it's true. We have an ill-conceived idea of love. We're supposed to, husbands, love your wives. Well, I don't feel like loving her. I don't care. Do it anyway. He said, love your wives. And a wife's supposed to love her husband. Wives don't feel. We're not talking about feelings. We're talking about what God said do. 
God says love your neighbor. He also says love your enemy. He's not telling you to have warm, fuzzy feelings toward your enemy. He's talking about how you treat them. All right? But it's, it's, it always has made an impact with me when I see that God, it's not saying He had some warm, fuzzy feeling to us. It says He set His love upon you. Love's a choice. Love's a choice. All right? All right. Anyway, you have natural Israel. God chose to be a special people above all other people. God chose spiritual Israelite Israel to be a people above all other peoples. Natural Israel is identified by an outward circumcision. Spiritual Israel is identified by circumcision of the heart, an inward circumcision of the heart. All right? But we find that there's Great parallels between God's deliverance. God sent the deliverer Moses. God sent the deliverer Christ. God sent the deliverer Moses to deliver them out of bondage. They served Pharaoh. And God sent the deliverer Moses. You realize that was a specific time? It was an appointed time? God sent the deliverer Moses at an appointed time. God sent Christ as an appointed time. You remember over there in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, it says, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under law. It was a specific time. Well, my friends, it wasn't just happen chance that Moses showed up there uh, at when he did. Because it was an appointed time that God had promised Abraham to that he would deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. Go to, with me to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. God said unto Abraham in verse 13, He said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with a great substance. You remember they spoiled the Egyptians. Well, that was an appointed time. After four hundred years, God's going to send the deliverer Moses to deliver them out of bondage. And they were in bondage under Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And they were bond servants to serve the Egyptians. And my friends, you realize before work of grace in our hearts, we're bond servants to sin. You know, we're all under sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 9 says, for we have, he says, we, before we, we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. A person dead in sin, that trespasses sin is a bond servant to sin. You remember over there in, uh, Luke? I'm sorry, in John chapter, I don't know why I'm getting my books all mixed up. Over in John chapter 8. When he told them, he's preaching along, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You remember that? And there was some over there that says, we be Abraham's seed. There they go back. To, we, we be Abraham's seed. There they going back to Abraham. We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. What do you mean we're going to be made free? You know what Jesus said? Verse 34, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And that word servant there isn't talking about in Matthew chapter 20, a day laborer. It's talking about a slave to sin, a bond servant to sin. He that committed sin is the bond servant of sin. And we're the bond servants of sin by nature. You go to Second Peter chapter 2 verse 14, talking about those to whom the blackness of darkness forever is reserved for them forever. It says one of the things in verse 14, it says, They have eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. That sounds like bondage. Cannot cease from sin. Alright? And uh, when we're born in the Spirit of God, we have both natures. Alright? And the Spirit lusts against the flesh and the Spirit against the, the Spirit... Galatians 5.17, for the Spirit lusts against the flesh and flesh against the Spirit. And these are contrary the one to the other so we cannot do the things that we would. And you can go read in Romans chapter 7 the back and forth, the, the turmoil that, 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 that Paul had. But my friends, uh, we're, we're, there's a scripture over there, I believe it's in Romans chapter 6. It says, for sin, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. All right? 
there, there is God, God, uh, we can, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh. You realize somebody that is not born of the Spirit of God has no Spirit of God within them. They can't mortify the deeds of the flesh. They're bond servants to sin. There's no way out except God's grace make a change in our life. All right? My friends, God came to us while we were bond servants in sin. And he gave us a circumcision, not made with hands, but by the Spirit of God. And and, and uh, we came under the, the grace of God at that point. And the grace of God teaches us that uh, the grace of God, it says in Titus chapter 2, the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto us, teaching us that denying uh, uh, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Alright? So, God came and sent the deliverer Moses. And the deliverer of Christ. There's great parallels. Besides being them, besides there being miracle workers, we tried to talk about this morning about the signs. They did these miracle signs and wonders, both of them, to confirm that God had sent them as the deliverer. All right. Um, it's real interesting though that at the time of the, and I don't want to, can't spend too much time on this, but when. Um, at the time of the deliverer, Moses was sent. Do you realize there was a great slaying of infants at that time? You remember Pharaoh had commanded all male children be killed when they were born, right? Great mass slaying of infants at the time the, the Messiah, the uh, Moses the deliverer came. Same, same thing with Christ. Remember that? Herod, you know, he's, he, he wanted to try to kill the king of kings and lord of lords. Where is he going to be born? You know, he sent the man away. Come tell me where the, where he is. When he and he saw he's mocked of the wise men. What did he do? He sent to Bethlehem and had all those two years of age and younger, younger killed to try to snuff him out. A great mass slaying of infants when Moses came. A great mass uh, a slaying of infants when Christ came. Also, we find Moses fled from a king that was trying to kill him. Even so, Christ fled from a king that was trying to kill him. Remember, the angel of the Lord said, go in. He went into Egypt. Fleeing from a king. And then also, just like in the case with Moses, so is the case of Christ. When the king was dead, God sent a message from heaven telling Moses to arise and go into the country because the king that sought your life is dead. Even so, Joseph received a, 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 a communication from heaven to go return back into the country for their they are dead, which caused, which which uh, sought the young child's life. <clears throat> Great parallels between the deliverance of natural Israel and the deliverance of spiritual Israel. As a matter of fact, I want to. I'm going to slow down just for a moment. I want you to turn to two places just to confirm what I just said, because the language is almost identical. Turn with me to go to Exodus. We're going to look at Exodus and compare Exodus 4:19. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Exodus chapter 4, Matthew 2. If you want to turn there with me, we're just going to compare a couple of verses here. Alright, let me get there. Alright, we're going to read together. We're going to read Exodus chapter 4, verse 19. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. All the men are dead which sought thy life. Now go to Matthew chapter 2 verse 20. The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Egypt, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. Most identical. All right. But you can go look up the others we had reference to, too. Great mass laying of infants, the time of Moses the deliverer, Christ the deliverer. Fled from a king that was trying to kill him, true with Moses and also the Lord. Come back, the king is dead which sought your life. Come back, the king is dead which sought your life. There's a lot of parallels between Christ and Moses. But God is going to deliver them out. And, and I'll just, let's see.
when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, what was the purpose? Well, we've already said. He said, I'm going to give you a land. You know, he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm going to make your seed a great nation. I'm going to bless you to inherit this good land over here, right? Good land, good land. And there was a stress on that good land. We talk about why did Christ come to deliver us out of our bondage of sin? Well, so we'll go live with him in glory. He died for us, and whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us, Peter said. Oh, that's be a wonderful time. We get up and see the Lord, isn't it? It'll be a wonderful time. And that was a purpose. A purpose for which Moses delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt was to give them this good land. A purpose for which the Lord Jesus Christ delivered us from the sin and our just desert and punishment from sin is that we would live together with him in glory forever and ever and ever. But giving, but God sending of Moses to deliver them from the clutches and bondage was not the only reason that he delivered them out of Egypt. He also delivered them out of Egypt to serve him. And the same thing is true of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's delivered us out of the bondage of sin to put us in a position whereby we may serve him. Okay? And I want to look at that a little bit in depth. Let me just, let me just, uh, I've got all these things flying in my head. Let me just say this. It's interesting to see that in natural Israel's deliverance from Egypt, it's called He redeemed them out of the house of bondmen. He redeemed them. Let's let's look at a few verses. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 15. This is when they're singing the song of Moses. After God delivered them across the Red Sea there. He opened the waters up. Delivered them across. In Deuteronomy. I'm sorry, Exodus. Did I say Deuteronomy? See, I don't know what's wrong with me today. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. They were singing the song, verse 13. It says, Thou and thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in the holy strength. See, they are a redeemed people. They're also... Verse 16, it says, Fear and dread shall fall upon them by thy greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as stone till thy people pass over whom the Lord, uh, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. What I want you to see is natural Israel was called a redeemed people. Spiritual Israel is also a redeemed people. 3.13 of Galatians, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We're redeemed. Natural Israel was redeemed coming out of Egypt. Spiritual Israel is redeemed through Christ in his sacrificial atonement on the cross. They're also called a purchased people. Well, we are too. Go to Acts chapter two, verse uh, Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight. When Paul sent and called for the elders. At Ephesus, and it came and discoursed with them. He says, take heed unto yourselves under all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And if you want a scripture to affirm that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, you got one right there. Because if you dissect that verse right there, it says, take heed unto thyself and unto all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to do what? To feed the church of God... What about God, which hath purchased us with his own blood? God purchased us with his own blood. Jesus Christ is God. All right, just a little side there. God purchased us with his own blood. We're called a purchased people. They're a purchased people. We're a purchased people. Psalm 72 verse 2 says, Remember thy people which thou hast purchased, and the rod of thine inheritance, which are the redeemed of God. They're redeemed and purchased. 
were also called a bot people. Uh, the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they were called a bot people. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 6, it says, Is he not thy father that hath bought thee? Natural Israel was referred to as redeemed people, a purchased people, a bought people. Well, we are too, are we not? We're bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 says, For you, it says, For your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. We're a bought people today. We're also a ransom. Uh, we go over to Isaiah chapter 51 verse 10. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they were called a ransom people. And if we go over there to Isaiah 51, he says, awake, awake. 50, 50, Isaiah 59 verse, verse, uh, 52 verse 9, awake, awake, put on strength. Oh, arm of the Lord, awake, as in the ancient of days and the generations of old, art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? This is talking about the arm of the Lord. Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over? So they're called the redeemed, they're called the purchased, they're called the bought, they're called the ransomed. We're called the bought. We've been bought with a great price. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, he purchased us with his own blood. And then if we go to uh, uh, 2028 of Matthew, it says, Think not that the Son of Man is come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. See, we are ransomed. See, all those words work the same. For natural Israel come out of Egypt, they also work for us coming out of the penalty and uh, uh consequences of our sins through the legal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been bought with a price. We've been redeemed. We've been ransomed. We've been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see many of the parallels. All right, so why did the children of Israel, I want to focus remainder of my time, why did God deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt? Well, let's go look and see what the Word of God says. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus Chapter 25 <coughs> says, I am the Lord, your God, which brought you forth. I hear pages turning. I'm going to wait till you get there. I know I go real quick sometimes. and Okay all the time. I hear snickers out there. <coughs> but this is important. There's two things he says of what happened or the purpose for which God brought them out. In Leviticus, Leviticus 25 verse 38. He says. I am the Lord your God. Which brought you forth. Out of the land of Egypt. To give you the land of Canaan. And. To be. Your. God. To be your God. And we're going to see what that means. For God to be your God. And I'll just go ahead and tell you what that means. If God is your God, God is the one whom you serve. He's the one that has your affection. He's the one that you live unto is your God. And we all are living unto something. We're living unto our God. Man's always had a God. We can make God out of our spouse, out of our job, out of money, out of entertainment. I wonder who's going to be. Winning the football game today. I guess they play on Sundays, don't they? Still. Two reasons. I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Alright? And I'm going to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ has brought us out of the death of trespasses and sin and redeemed us from the curse of the law and delivered us from the wrath to come, not only to give us heaven and immortal glory, but also that he might be our God, that we would serve him. Because you're just serving something. You're, you know the effect. And God calls us out through the gospel to turn away from these things to serve God. First Thessalonians chapter one, when Paul preached the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, talks about how they turned to God from their idols to serve the, to serve, to serve the true and living God. All right. 
And I'm going to tell you what, the new birth and God's work of grace in the heart, taking us out of the bondage of sin, puts us in a position where we're ready to serve God. Do you know what God did to the children of Israel when He brought them out of bondage? The first place. We go to Exodus chapter... You'll find this in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, when God was speaking to Moses out of the burning bush, and he says, I'm sending you to deliver my people out. Verse 12 says, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Horeb and Sinai are the same place. If you'll study the scriptures. I don't know. Some people say it's a twin peak. One was called Sinai Horeb. But it's the same mount. God is meeting Moses there at Sinai or Horeb. And he says, you're going to lead the children out of bondage. And you're going to come serve me on this mountain. He didn't just say, you're going to deliver a mountain and take them into the land. No, you're going to come serve me. What did Moses say time and time again to Pharaoh? Thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go that they may serve me. You see in Exodus 9, 1, 10, uh, 10, 3, 8, 1. Let my people go that they may serve me. Why did they come out of bondage? To serve the Lord. Yeah, Canaan land's out there too. But he brought them out to serve him. And he says... When you come out, you're going to come serve me on this mountain. Where did they make a beeline? After the Red Sea? They made a beeline for Sinai. Took them about a month and a half to get there. And they stayed there a whole year. We won't talk about all that was happened there, but I'm going to tell you, God gave them the moral law of God on tables of stone. Do you know why he did that? That was an external guiding principle of how they would be a special people unto God and serve God. Now they had the ceremonial laws, the civil laws, but they had God's law. And it's through God's law. God was going to have different laws and different ways that God would, that they would serve God. God brought them out of bondage to be the servants of God. And He gave them His laws written on tables of stone. I'm going to tell you, in, in spiritual Israel, God takes us out of the bondage of sin and He writes in our law, His laws on our hearts and on our minds, not on tables of stone, but fleshy tables of the heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In the new birth, He writes His laws in our heart and mind to be an internal governing principle that we might serve God. Oh, we'll get Canaan's land or heaven. We have an inheritance. But he's brought us out to serve him. He's brought us out of bondage of sin to serve him. This is the Lord thy God that had brought thee. What, well, okay, we're back in, in Leviticus. I want to get that one more time. Leviticus chapter 25. Verse 38, I am the Lord the, your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And he gave them the laws of God on tables of stone, I'll say it again, to be an external governing principle of how they would serve God. And if you look over there at Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter 20, You know, he, you know how he prefaces the Ten Commandments? And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see how he prefaces, prefaces it with the fact that I am the God that brought you out. To serve me. And here's how you're going to serve me. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any image. Like in anything. And all these things. He prefaces that. With the fact that I. Am your savior. I've delivered you out of bondage. And why'd you come out? 
Oh, there's Canaan land out there, but I brought you out to serve me. And here's an external governing principle whereby you're going to serve me and be a special people of all other peoples of the nations of the world. All right? Turn with me to um, Joshua chapter 24. We're talking about the children of Israel due to the fact that God had delivered them out from being bondservants to Pharaoh. Now they're going to serve God. And God's equipped them with what they need to be able to serve God. But in view of the fact that he brought them out, they're going to serve God. And remember the language. I have delivered you out to give you Canaan and to be your God. What does it mean for God to be their God? It means they're going to serve him as God. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua tells the people, verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Do what to the Lord? Serve him. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. That goes back to saying, you're, we're serving something. We may be serving ourselves. We may be serving others. We, we have God. There's going to be a God in our life. In the life of mankind, men have, men and women have gods. That's what they serve. That's they, they, they give their time to and they honor and all these things. Where their affections are, that's going to be their God. All right? He's saying, don't turn to these false gods. He says, turn to the living God. He says, serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. He says, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in the Egypt, in Egypt and serve you the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods of the fathers which which thy father served, which are on the other side of the flood, or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye, ye dwell. In other words, if you're not going to serve the Lord, you can serve what are these other false gods you want to. You know, I mean, I mean, one's, one of those false gods is just as good as the other. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All right? And he said, and the people answered. Here's, listen to what the people said. Verse 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods what's what's their reasoning why would they serve this god why would they serve the lord their god because he's going to be there he brought them out of bondage so that he would be their god what does it mean for him to be their god for the lord our god he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, went and among all the people uh, through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. We'll serve the Lord for he's our God. Whoever's your God, that's who you're going to serve. Turn with me quickly. Run out of time. But turn with me quickly to Leviticus chapter 11. Verse 44. Says, for I am the Lord your God. Well, what does that entail? What comes with the Lord being your God? For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves... And ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping things or creep, or creep that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This people serving God, what does it mean for God to be their God? God, they're going to follow that which God says is holy. And they're going to do that because He is the one that delivered them out. And my friends, that which moves us, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14, 15, 16, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, that we henceforth not live unto ourselves, but unto Him who loved us and died for our sins. If you see, when God 
brings life and immortality to light and understanding. And I understand who He is, that He loved me, He gave Himself for me, He delivered me from such great a death, and He delivered me from the eternal wrath of come, uh, 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 that was just the, the just desert of my sins, and He delivered it. He paid it all, all the debt I owe, that I will live with Him one day in glory. And then He's made him me right with Him. He's delivered me. From the consequences of my sin. Oh, it makes me want to serve him. Does it not you? Those brethren at Thessalonica, when he saw Jesus Christ had delivered them from their wrath to come, it says they turned to God from their idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The love of Christ constrains us that we, we love him. We see what he's done. When he shows us what he's done for us, we want to love him. We love him with a love, that, and, 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 and that's what causes the conflict of the Christian because we still have sin in our members, and that's why we're tore up so, because I knew better than to do that. I'm supposed to be serving the Lord. Because God's lit, written his laws in our heart that we might be holy unto him. Yes, my friends, Christ died on the cross that we would have, we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. But he also delivered us from the being bond servants that we might serve him. And I want to get a couple a couple more scriptures. Well, you just go read Luke chapter. No, I'm going to read it for you. You go study it because I'm out of time. You go study it. There's prophecies in the Old Testament. That pertain to spiritual Israel. How that God is going to raise up Christ. And he's going to deliver us out of bondage to serve the Lord. And in Luke chapter 1. When John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost. He says, blessed be, verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up for us a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of all his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. There's a lot of clauses there leading up to this point. Well, what was the promise? What was the promise that was given to Abraham, that of his seed, this spiritual promise to spiritual Israel? What was that promise of coming of Christ? Verse 74. That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That's to spiritual Israel. We're delivered out of the bondage of sin to serve the Lord. Christ bare our sins in his own body. On Second First Peter 2.24. Christ Bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, will have heaven one day. That's true, but that's not what the rest of the verse says. You know what it says? He bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. God puts us in a position to be the servants of God. All right? I don't want to compare a couple of scriptures and I'm closing. Leviticus 11.44. Again, He says, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and ye shall be holy for I am holy. That has to do with being the servants of God. Being holy. That's how God's going to be our God. They have Canaan to look forward to. They have Canaan to live in. But they also have God's commandments and the laws of of, God's more law to serve them. To be holy, that's how they're going to serve him according to God's ways and God's dictates. That's how they're going to serve him and be what? Holy. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. That's what he told natural Israel. Do you know what he tells spiritual Israel? He tells us the same thing. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says, gird up the loins of your mind, hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, this time when he's revealed the second time, without sin unto salvation, when he appears, we're going to go bask in the glory of the Lord forever and ever with the Lord, you see. We're looking forward to when he comes again. 
He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We go home and be at the Lord, you see. We have glory through what Christ did. But we're also told to serve Him. Now let's get the next verse. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. See, this is serving. We're serving Him now. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Where is that written? Leviticus 11.44 The natural Israel was brought out to be a holy people unto the Lord, and received, they received Canaan. We're brought out of the depths and bondage of sin to be holy unto God and to serve Him now. But heaven's going to be our home. We're going to serve Him forever and ever without sin in our members at that time. It's a struggle now. My friends, we're going to be completely free from the very presence of sin in our bodies and we'll be able to serve and worship and praise the Lord forever and ever. Amen.